We're going to be in Matthew chapter 17 tonight, Matthew chapter 17, and we'll have you go there. We're going to be talking about uh, the Mount of Transfiguration, and we're going to be talking about how Jesus revealed his glory and how the three disciples, Peter, James, and John, got a, got a, a glimpse of the glory of Jesus. And in the midst of that, how they're, you know, us as disciples, they made some mistakes and how Jesus uh, is patient with us in that. But I think it's important before we get into Matthew 17 that we back up a little bit and kind of see what happened the week prior in Matthew 16. So I want you to go back. Some important things happened here. We're going to see in verse 13, the Bible says in Matthew 16, verse 13, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, whom do men say that I am? And they said, some say that you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Others say Jeremiah, one of the prophets or one of the prophets. And then an important question, he turns and he says, who do you guys say that I am? And of course, the spokesman of the group, right? Uh, Peter speaks up quickly. And he answered and he said, well, we believe that thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Man, great job, Peter. I mean, he is right there. Dead on. And this is one time he speaks up and he nails it. And Jesus said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven has shown you this reality. And I say unto thee also that thou art Peter, right? And upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And then Jesus charged the disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus, the Christ. That's interesting that all of these people are saying, well, he's John the Baptist. Well, he's Elijah. Well, he's Jeremiah. He's one of the prophets. And Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And they get it right. And then Jesus says, I don't want you to tell anybody that. I want you to keep that quiet. But look at what he does next in verse 21. And from that time forth, when he, when Jesus was convinced that the disciples knew who he was, that he was the Christ, we're roughly year and a half to two years or so into his public ministry. He's coming down the home stretch. He's getting about a year, year and a half away from the cross here. And man, the time is drawing nigh for him to be crucified. For him to be betrayed and arrested and crucified and then, of course, uh, you know, risen again on that third day. But from that time forth, when he's convinced the disciples know who he is. He's not just a miracle worker. He's not just a prophet. He is Jesus the Christ. The Bible says, what did he, what did he begin to do? He began to show in his disciples, verse 21, that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. And as he's talking this out and teaching this and trying to get his disciples ready for what's getting ready to happen, for the crucifixion of Jesus the Christ, and for sins of the entire world, past, present, and future, to be laid upon him, to be the propitiation of, of all sin, of all mankind, and to settle once and for all the debts that you and I owe 
to God. He's going to settle it all. And he's going to raise again that third day from the grave. And he's going to become victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And because of that, we can be saved. That same spokesman that nailed it. Man, you're the Christ. You're the Son of the living God. Speaks up in verse 23 again. And look at what he does. The Bible says, then Peter took him. He, he kind of grabs Jesus and walks him off to the side. He began to rebuke him. He began to push back and say, no, 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 Jesus. That's not going to happen. You're mistaken. He said, be it far from thee, Lord. <laughs> this is not going to happen to you. This shall not be unto thee. You're not going to die. You're not going to be crucified. You're not, you're not going to be betrayed by the chief priests and scribes. That's not going to happen. You're the Christ, man. We're going to make you king. <laughs> we're, going to, we're going to put you on the throne. You're going to be our great fearless leader, and we're going to enter into your glory because we know you're the Christ, and you're going to become that great leader of Israel that we have been following you for. And notice what Jesus does. But he turned and said to Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. For thou art an offense unto me. Man, you had it nailed right just a, just a few moments before this happened that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And on that profession, man, he's going to build his church. What an awesome, awesome profession of Peter. And now he says, Lord, they're not going to kill you. You're mistaken. That's not going to happen. Be it far from you. And he says, get thee behind me, Satan. You are an offense unto me. And what did he tell him? Look at what it says. For thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Can I just say to us tonight, before we get into Matthew 17 here, we've got to make sure that our goal and our desire and what we want in life is not the things that be of men. Man, Jesus did not come and die for you and save you and give you an abundant life so you, can, so you can live by the same economy and by the same values that the world lives by. So that you can live the rat race of this world chasing a dollar bill, chasing success, chasing notoriety, chasing somebody's, somebody's approval. That is not what Jesus came for. Man, he told, he told Peter, you... You are mistaken. You are an offense to me, and you're an offense to me, Peter, because you don't savor, you don't enjoy the things of God. Humility, submission, brokenness, desperation, holiness. You, in, you instead enjoy and savor and salivate and get excited about the things that be of men, the praise of men, the wealth of men, the positions of men. And that's why you're upset when I told you I'm going to be, I'm going to be crucified. And that's why you're upset when I told you I'm going, to, I'm going to raise again the third day. You don't want that to happen because that's going to hurt your status. That's going to hurt your position. You've got to understand something. At this point, Jesus Christ, as far as his popularity goes, his, his ministry is in a crescendo right now. I mean, it's, it's at its peak. Oh, but it's getting ready to fall off fast. It's getting ready to fall off fast. And he's warning them. He's preparing them. And he gives those great verses. If any man will come after me, 
let him, let him deny himself. He, he's looking at Peter and he turns to all of his disciples there in verse 24. And I want you, all of you guys to hear me that if you want to come after, if any man wants to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross. Now think about that for a second. Now we, we here take up his cross and we go get a cross necklace and, and we, you know, we, we, and we, we think, man, yeah, I'm taking up my, listen to me. <laughs> when he said take up his cross, you know what he was telling those disciples? Those guys knew what the cross was. The cross was a symbol of shame. It was a symbol of disgrace. It was a symbol of pain. It was a symbol of punishment. It was a symbol of humiliation. It was a symbol of agony. It was a symbol of suffering. It was a symbol of justice. He said, you take up your cross, disciples, and you follow me. You take up the humiliation, the suffering, the pain, the sorrow that I am going to endure, and you follow me. For what is a man profited if he shall gain, verse 26, gain the whole world, lose his own soul? So what if the eyes of men Thank you are the greatest thing that's ever walked on this planet. If your soul's not right with God, he's not going to be impressed and judgment's coming for you. So what if you're Jeff Bezos and you make $3,000 a second? That does not impress God. So what if, you're, if you run a Fortune 500 company and you don't know Jesus Christ? Your soul will experience damnation. And what temporary fun you've had will only be for a season. Verse 27, For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of His Father with His angels, and then He shall reward every man according to His works. And then He gives this little, this little, this little hint here. He says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, verse 28, There be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in His kingdom. And then we're going to pick up in Matthew 17. We're going to see Jesus, Jesus' transfiguration reveals his glory. Man, this is an awesome, this is an awesome scene, Matthew 17. For just a moment in time, Jesus invites Peter, James, and John, that inner circle, to the top of the Mount of Transfiguration. And he goes there and he imparts to them things that's going to be happening to him. And for just a moment, they're going to get to see all of His glory. Jesus Christ is going to be transfigured before Him. And look at what it says, verse, verse 1. And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth him up into a high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them. And His face did shine as the sun, and His raiment was white as the light. Now, it's really interesting, the word for transfigured in the Greek there is metamorpho. So we get our English word metamorphosis. Now, it's really important that we understand what's happening here in verse 1. It's not that God the Father looked down from heaven and transferred glory to Jesus. No, no, no. It's not that God the Father somehow externally put extra glory on Jesus for a moment. No, no, no. The Bible says that he was transfigured. He was metamorpho. That which was on the inside 
is now on the outside for everybody to see. See, the reality is, is that Jesus Christ is God. And he does not need anybody to transfer anything to him. If he's transfigured for just a minute, he let his glory be displayed and shown to humanity. Peter, James, and John, they got to see the glory of Jesus for just a minute. For just this time. And man, he was transfigured before them. And Jesus Christ, he allowed his glory to show through. And that, you know what, Peter, I really am Jesus the Christ. I really am the Son of God. And it's not that he needed some extra power from somebody else or from someone else because the Bible says in John chapter 1 and verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Logos, Jesus, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. Man, I'm telling you tonight, church, we serve Jesus. He is God. And He is my direct access and connection to God the Father. He's the only one who can take me there. A saint can't take me there. His mama can't take me there. A religion can't take me there. A, a set of practices of Worship can't take me there. My only access to God today is through the glory and the work of Jesus Christ. That's it. He's the one who was transfigured. Peter's never been transfigured. Mary's never been transfigured. John's never been transfigured. You name whatever great saint, whatever great Christian you have in your mind, they have never been transfigured. Only Jesus Christ has went through metamorphosis or metamorpho here in the Greek. Only Him. And He was transfigured and all of His glory was shown and His face did shine. And His raiment was white as the light. And look what happens next, man. The, the disciples are, man, they're overcome with it. And, and Peter again, he, I, you know, meaning well, he speaks up here and the Bible says, and while this is happening, behold, there suddenly appeared... Moses and Elijah, Elijah, Elias, Elijah there, talking with Jesus. Now, man, why Moses and Elijah? Man, Moses is the, he's the law, right? He's the one who brought the law. The law came by Moses, but truth and grace came by Jesus Christ. So here's the law talking with Jesus. God, Jesus is going to fulfill that law, isn't he? He didn't abolish it. He fulfilled it. And now on the other side is Elijah. Man, he is the one who's got to come before the Messiah comes. In fact, even now, Sabbath gatherings in, in, in uh, Jewish culture uh, at Passover, they leave an empty seat and they open the door and they, and they invite Elijah in to come to the table at Passover because they know when he comes, so will the Messiah. And we'll get back to that in just a minute. And while this is going on, so here we are, the, the consummation of the prophets, the, the forerunner of the Messiah is on, on scene, and the law is on scene, and they're conversing with, with Jesus the Christ, the one who's transfigured. They're standing to the side of Jesus, and they're talking with him. In verse 4, Peter answered and said, Lord, it's good for us to be here. We like this. We like this, Lord. This is good. This is, this is a wonderful mountain trip. If thou wilt, Lord, 
Let us make here three tabernacles. Don't you see it again? Man, the Apostle Peter, he gets himself in such a mess. He thought he was saying something so great because here was a Jewish man who had been, who had been praying and looking for the Messiah his whole life and now he's found him. And he has such still such respect for Moses and such respect for Elijah. I mean, these are just, these are just top of the top when it comes to Jewish history and when it comes to prophets. I mean, and, and, and Peter says, Lord, let's make three tabernacles. Let's give one for you for sure. You're the Christ. Let's make one for Moses. Let's make one for Elijah. And about the time he got it out of his mouth, while he was speaking, before he could go any further, look what happens next in verse 5. Behold, a bright cloud. The Father's going to affirm Jesus Christ as his Son here. The glory is revealed, and then the Father's going to affirm Everything we've already learned about Jesus as we now push to the finish line of the cross and the resurrection here in the Gospels. But it says that while he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them and behold, a voice out of the cloud, which said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Can you, can, do you understand what just happened? God the Father, in case there was any doubt for all of us who are reading in 2021, God the Father thunders from heaven when Peter thought he was saying something so good and so helpful and so holy. Man, let's revere Moses. Let's revere Elijah. And let's revere you, Jesus, because you are the Messiah. I know that. He already made that clear a week ago. You are the Christ the Son of the living God. So let's take a minute here and let's, let's worship up here, man. And God from heaven thunders and says, let me tell you something. You listen to my son. It's like here in this moment, God is laying out for us that everything that the scriptures have said is culminating in the Son of God right before your very eyes. Everything Moses spoke of, and by the way, Moses is very important. Even Jesus says in his own ministry, if you would have believed Moses, you'd believe me because he wrote, he spoke of me. Man, the prophets, Elijah, they preached and they preached and in laced throughout their preaching was this Messiah messianic hope that one day, one day, God's going to send the Messiah. The Messiah is going to come and he is going to save his people from their sins. And Elijah is standing there and Moses is standing there. And God could have easily said, Peter, you're right. Great job. Wonderful. Let's do that. But God said, no, 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 no. Don't you dare worship Moses. Don't you dare worship Elijah. They're not transfigured. Their glory is not showing. Don't you dare worship Mary. Don't you dare worship a saint. Don't you dare worship a, a religious practice. Don't you dare worship your standards and your, and, your, and, your, and your preferences. Don't you dare worship some type of outward thing. You hear my son and you worship him. That's where the glory belongs. He was the one that was transfigured. That's where the glory belongs, church. And we have got to realize that God the Father affirms His Son. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face, verse 6, and were sore afraid. 
Peter, James, and John flat. And Jesus said, don't be scared. Be not afraid. Get up. Verse number 8, and when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no man. Elijah and Moses are gone. Only thing they saw was Jesus only. And that's what we need, isn't it? Don't you wish we could get a rebirth and a revival in our hearts and in our church of Jesus only? Not a tradition, not a preference, not a practice. That's no longer about, you know, do we want pews or chairs? Do, you know, should we have this instrument or that instrument? That it's no longer about, you know, certain person. Oh, I like this preacher better than that preacher. I like this Sunday school teacher better than that Sunday school teacher. Or I wish they'd have put this color carpet, not that color carpet. I wish we'd have put tile in here instead of carpet, or put carpet instead of tile. I wish we'd have painted the, painted the wall that color, or bought different furniture for that, or I don't like the way they did this, or the way they did that. Don't you wish we would have a revival of Jesus only? That's it. That when I show up to 1200 West, Grantham, West Grantham Street, that I'm coming out here for Jesus only, and that's it. And whatever service that he lets me render to the body, to his body, the body of Christ. Not necessarily the body of Faith Church, but to his body. And here in this local gathering here at Faith Church, that whatever service he lets me render, whatever ministry he lets me have, that I'm not doing it to impress the preacher. I'm not doing it for a paycheck because I'm on staff. I'm doing it because Jesus has changed my life. And I've seen his glory. And I know who he is. And, he's, and I want to please him. I want Jesus only. Jesus only. Jesus only. Jesus, Jesus only. And that's the challenge I'm leaving with you tonight. Jesus only. As they come down the mountain, Jesus said, I don't want you to tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. And they were confused. They thought, well, you know, it, Jesus it says, tell the vision of no man, verse 9, until the Son of Man be risen again from the dead. And in verse 10, his disciples asked him, saying, why then say the scribes that Elijah must first come? If you say you, if what you said happens is really going to happen, then why do people keep, why do the scribes, the ones who have studied this law, they, they are adamant about the fact that Elijah must first come. And look at what it says, verse number 11. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Elijah truly shall first come and restore all things. But I say unto you, that Elijah is come already, and they knew him not, <laughs> but have done unto him whatsoever they listed. Likewise, just like the, the, the forerunner of Christ, the Elijah of Christ, just like he suffered at the hands of sinful men, likewise shall also the Son of Man suffer of them. And look at what it says. The disciples understood that he spake unto them of John the Baptist. Can I say to you tonight that Jesus is the Christ? He did suffer. He did die on the cross for your sins and mine. He did raise again the third day. He did. He, He alone is the one who deserves my worship and my praise. Not anybody else, not anything else, not any other agenda, not any, not any other person, not any other position, not any other value system, any other economy system. My heart is to belong to Him. Jesus only today. Jesus only today. 
Jesus only in your home. Jesus only in your marriage. Jesus Christ only in the way you parent. Jesus Christ only in the way you treat others. Jesus Christ only in the way you handle your money. Jesus Christ only in the way you steward your life. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Him alone. Him alone. And I'm just challenging you tonight, Faith Church. Is that the way you live? Is it Jesus only? And if we're not careful, just like Peter, James, and John, they wanted to mix in some other stuff. They wanted to throw a little law in it. They wanted to put the prophets in it. They wanted to build tabernacles, and they wanted to, they wanted to idolize things. And when they tried that stuff, God thundered from heaven, you hear my son. You know what I think he's yelling at us from heaven today? You hear my son. Not a preacher, not a personality. The only reason I'm authoritative in your life is because of this book. And that's it. That's it. And I want us tonight, I want us, faith church, I want us to be about Jesus only. His gospel, His love, His mission, His grace, His truth lived out every single day of my life. Let's pray tonight and let's ask God to stir in our hearts that mentality, that philosophy, and truly that kind of life. That's the abundant life that he promised. I've come to give you life. I've come to give it to you more abundantly. Let's pray. Lord, I love you. And I thank you for this passage and how it's spoken to my heart afresh and anew the last few weeks. Help me to be about Jesus only, Lord. Open our eyes to areas in our lives that need to change where we have got our attention focused on anything and everything but Jesus. Refresh and renew our hearts. Bring revival into our very souls. In Jesus' name, amen.